Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular culture. It's Christmas time. Ding dong, merrily the dads. Bum, Hello, bum. Dave. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you very much, Tom. I'm excited. Are you excited for Christmas? Nah, Christmas? Pa. Forget about it. I'm excited. Pa humbug. I'm excited pa. because I got to watch a favourite film from my childhood and uh, it, it was worse than I remember. But <laughs> it was a nice blast from the past. Okay, what, well, what movie is that? Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us? Well, today, Dom, and, and our dear listeners, we, we're here to discuss the Christmas classic. Um, the one, when we were talking about trying to do a Christmas movie that represented what we're trying to do here at Daddy Issues and really spoke yeah. to a father-son relationship, but it also had the seasonal element as well. The first thing that came to my mind, and what should probably come to mind for most people, is the classic 1996 film, Jingle All The Way. Jingle all the way. We've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. We've got Phil Hartman. We've got Jake Lloyd. Really, the star billing of of this movie. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. What more could you ask for? Well, you've also got don't forget Mrs. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson. Uh, you've got '90s comic uh, icon Sinbad. You've got oh yeah. You've got Jim, Jim Belushi. Belushi the- who, for a long time, was thought of the lesser of the Belushis, but these days has really seen a renaissance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's going for a bit of a McConaughey, right? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Belushi, he was like, he did, it was really great in uh, the Twin Peaks uh, revival series. Really? Really good in that. I didn't know he, yeah. was, he was in that. Man, that. that series is fantastic. Even if you haven't watched the original, the original is, is really long, but I could just tell you what happened and you can just watch the watch the, the later season. Yeah, Jim Belushi, he's paired up with another actor who is one of those guys. You, you'll see him and you'll be like, <laughs> oh, it's that guy. I can't remember his name because to me, he's just that guy. But they play, <laughs> um, they play mobsters in Las Vegas. Um, and yeah, they're, they're really great. They're, so Jim Belushi... Uh, to me, is the the more prominent of the Belushi's because you know he's alive. That's, that's a generational and... thing as well, isn't it? Like if we had been young men in the nineties, then we would have been worshiping the other um, John Belushi from Saturday Night Live and yeah. What's the the film with Toga Toga? That one. Uh, Animal House. Animal House. Yeah. Oh, and the Blues yeah, Brothers, and of course. Blues Brothers and yeah, yeah and all that yeah. bullshit. Whereas to me, like Jim Belushi was the one I knew from the Canine movies, which is another another classics from my childhood that I uh, I remember fondly. Man, you wait. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Dave. Doggy issues is coming. <laughs> oh no! That is another podcast. Um, episode one of Doggy Style. Canine with 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 Jim Belushi. Oh yeah, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Jingle All the Way with Arnie, with um, Anakin Skywalker, with with, with Arnie and Anakin Skywalker. What more could you possibly ask for? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But before before we get onto that, what are your uh, your your family Christmas plans this year? What are you What are you doing with your dad? Oh, then I will be going around uh, Christmas morning to, to my parents' house out in the New Forest. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Dad will no doubt be in the be in the kitchen cooking up cooking up Christmas lunch. It's always since the fall on him. I think he he plays it off like it's a burden, but I think he really enjoys it. I think he likes being mm. in the kitchen, and maybe also because it keeps him away from all like the the chaos of whatever's happening in the in the rest of the house. Yeah. But um, no, he always cooks up an incredible incredible feast. So I'm excited for that. 
isn't it interesting that in traditional gender roles you have that uh women as homemaker cleaner cook these kind of things yeah and then suddenly when it comes to special occasions like christmas or thanksgiving or whatever or barbecues men are like no (laughs) no 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 now that it is important that this meal is done correctly i who do not cook the rest of the time am taking control (laughs) and i know that's i know that's not strictly true with your dad um, no, he likes, he likes just, cleaning like, the kitchen generally, I think he eats yeah, just, yeah, yeah. as much or if not more. Yeah, it's the same with uh, with my with my stepdad, actually. Um, in the house, my mum, if my mum is cooking, it's like, oh God, we'll just do pesto, because it is just <laughs> pasta and a sauce. Whereas if my stepdad's cooking, it's like, okay, I've got these 300 ingredients, and you're like, oh my God, what is, what is happening? Are you a mad scientist or, or what's about <laughs> to happen here? So, yeah, I guess that's uh, a thing as, you know, as society is changing, men are going back into the kitchen, which is, again, it's, it's good because, again, women have for a long time been, you know, that, that horrible get back in the kitchen stereotype. But then you look at all celebrity chefs and like 90% of them are either men or women who have been in prison, like Martha yeah, Stewart. It's actually so. like a really male dominated uh, industry is the, the cook, the TV yeah. chef. There aren't many that are, that are women, and yet, yeah, that's very strange. It's in role dichotomy to the uh, traditional gender stereotypes of the home. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, which is like, so if you go out to eat food, you expect it to be cooked by a man. But if you're in the home eating food, you expect it to be cooked by a woman. And if you're out at a restaurant, oh, well, that's fine for it to be masculine. But at home, oh, please. I don't know, that's... But we're not here to talk about gender stereotypes. I'm <laughs> no, sorry, Dave. You, you, I, got me, I, you, got, you got me wondering now as my brain was going off on one. Like, oh, yeah, that is natural. Yeah, that's I right. What that means. I wonder how that came about. No, let's get back on, <laughs> back on topic. Well, I, this film, I think, is actually um, uh, a really perfect uh, analysis for that kind of stereotyped masculinity. So, because we have two opposing fathers in this film, in Jingle All the Way. We have Arnold Schwarzenegger, and who is, you know, the ultimate man, the man's man, Mr. Universe. That's how much of a man he is, Dave. He's not just a man, he's a universe. <laughs> um, and and then we have Lionel Hutz, Phil Hartman, playing uh, a very different kind of, of father in this. But before we jump into analysing the fathers, um, this is one of your your childhood movies. Uh, what, what's the movie about? Uh, the movie, this, this, this classic, this unforgettable masterpiece, is about <laughs> uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Time to drink water there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love that this uh, strangeness in Arnold Schwarzenegger's career where he would play men with very plain American <laughs> yes. names. And, yes. and no one mentions the fact that he has a very strong Austrian accent. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hello, my name is Howard Langston. It's like, is it? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> I love that. That is one of my absolute favourite things. Is, is, is In this movie, is Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to pass off as a regular dad? Yeah. And so, so it's like... Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that really great scene at the at the beginning of the movie where he's, you know, he's one of those American dads who works too much. Um, but he's there on the phone doing all of these phone calls to people, right? Like picking up the phone call 
um, and doing you're my favourite customer, that yeah. that whole thing. But it's like, in what world is Arnold Schwarzenegger passing passing himself off as like someone who owns a warehouse full of beds? <laughs> like, well, this is just, it just doesn't work. You're it's, right. It's, it's so ridiculous. bizarre. But then I read, uh, when we were researching about this, I read that that's what drew him to the film. Because like, he's obviously coming off the back of the 80s and 90s action movies that he was he made his name in. Um, yeah. But then also like a, a, a slew of these those nineties comedies that uh, that he they tried to sort of change his career around with. So he had like I can't remember what order they came in, but he had, there was like Twins and there was yes. Kindergarten Cop, yeah, and Junior, Junior. Yeah. and I think there was one more. I've lost what it, what it was now, but um, in each one of those, he wasn't exactly playing a normal or regular family man. Like in Twins, he's a genetically modified superhuman. <laughs> In Kindergarten Cop, he's a, like a hardened detective. In Junior, he's a yeah. junior scientist. Um, yes. So this is the first time that someone went, we want you to play a dude. because It's just a guy. He has a job and he has a family and it's Christmas and he needs to get a present for his kid. And he's like, yeah, okay, that sounds like something I'd like. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> my, my Arnold impression there just sounded like James Franco's impression of Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist. <laughs> Well, uh, that that in itself is a very complimentary, self-complimentary thing for you to say. You remember (laughs) that amazing adaptation? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but anyway, so yes, the the plot of the film is, as you said, Arnie is a a American, all American dad who all American mattress salesman. Yep, exactly. Who he works too much and. He's not a bad guy, but he's puts too much of his effort and energy into his job, so he ends up sort of neglecting his family a little bit, his yeah. wife and and his son. And uh, as it turns out, the one thing that his son really wants for Christmas is the action figure of his favourite superhero, Turbo Man, mm. which is this super uh, campy, Power Rangersy kind of TV show. Yes. Uh, which is, yeah, I think the whole idea is that it's a complete send-up of the Power Rangers kind of kids shows. Um, yeah, that's, that's the one that's his son's favorite thing in the whole world, and all he wants is the action figure. But of course, Arnie has been too busy; he's been working too hard, and he hasn't done it. And this, of course, is the most popular, most uh, famous toy in the whole world. So any parent who knew what they were doing bought it weeks ago, months ago, before Christmas. But it's the day before Christmas Eve, and Arnie still hasn't got his son's Christmas present. What a prick! Oh. <laughs> What a terrible father. He's a terrible father. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the real like, conceit of this film, is that like, the danger, what's at stake here, is that he, he might have to let his son down on Christmas. Which yes. is, like, in the grand scheme of, of things, isn't the worst thing in the world, but I think because it's a seasonal film, it's a Christmas movie, it's all about the spirit of Christmas, it's about giving your kids that magic. I guess if you're a parent of a small kid around Christmas, that is the kind of stuff that will make or break your life. And, and you probably feel like it's going to make or break your kids' lives. So what if they grow up resenting me because I didn't get them that doll they wanted that year for Christmas? Well, I mean, that they, they talk about that with the uh, with his rival. So Arnie... Yes, they do. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so Howard Langston is is looking to, to get a Turbo Man doll, but he is not the only one. There is also um, a pirate mailman. Trying to do the Pirate same thing. Mailman. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Thanks. Sinbad. Yeah, Sinbad. He's out there. The, the 90s comedian Sinbad is also trying to get one for, for his for his son. Yeah. And he tells a story about one of his, when he was young, what he really wanted for Christmas was a gun that can fire in seven different, like, seven different ways. It's a normal gun. It's a grenade launcher. It's an anti-air gun. Blah, 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 blah. The Johnny Seven or something like that, right? Yeah, the, the um, one, one Man Army, the OMA. Seven guns in one. Apparently yes. that was a real toy from back in that era that um, they used to Why play. why were toys I think about this a lot these days anyway, but why were toys so much better in the past? Right, like that's these toys sound amazing. Um and these days, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not in the market for toys as much. <laughs> I don't know. Just that there wasn't as many of them, right? I guess. Like they it wasn't such a hugely oversaturated market, so people actually put thought and time into what would be cool and what would be great, instead of just being like, let's just, just fill the shelves, get anything out, that doesn't matter. It costs us so little to make them, and we can sell them for such a high price. Just, let's just get it out there. There's less thought. Yeah, yeah. You would have thought it would be the opposite, things. where like you would have thought that if there are like 10,000 toys on the marketplace, you want to make one like the one man army gun which is so cool that, that yeah there's 10,000 other toys but kids want your one and Sinbad the pirate mailman <laughs> wanted that when he was a kid and he didn't get it and someone else in his school did and now the guy who got that toy is like a billionaire and and that's the uh, reason why because he got yes, Johnny White exactly he, one man army gun yes <laughs> and Myron the 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 pirate mailman um He's not even a good mailman. Um, no, he's like he he tosses his like mail out of his bag just so it would like loosen some of uh, you know alleviate some of the weight so he can run faster. It's like this is a Christmas Eve, like those things have got to get places, man. Yeah, man. Well, we can get more into him later on. But those two are not the only fathers out there trying to do things for their son. There is the the third father, uh, Phil Hartman, who I love. If Phil Hartman was not in this movie. I, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I thought this movie was shit. But if <laughs> Phil Hartman was not in this movie, it would be unwatchable. Phil Hartman, it just makes this movie like, I, I, I can watch this. But if Phil Hartman's not there, man. Do you it, think? It, it's, yes, uh, I think. He, I mean, I, I love he Hartman, is the comic but... backbone of this movie. Oh, he's the only um, competent comic actor in it. And there's no doubt about that, but... Yeah. No, I, I don't think he 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 saves it at all. <laughs> like uh, I don't pretend to uh, to like or love this film, and I don't expect I'll watch it ever again throughout the rest of my life. But <laughs> it obviously has a lot of uh, a lot of themes that we're interested in, which is which is something. But um, no, I've, I've made no pretense that this was going to be an enjoyable watch for you, Dom. Had, had you not seen it before? Uh, I if I've seen it before, it's like ten years ago on ITV two or something, right? Like it's. Yeah, like, makes, I'm, I'm aware the of the movie. I've probably it's the same as Last Action Hero. Like I've I've maybe watched like 30 minutes of it here and there, but I've oh, never dude. sat down to watch Jingle All the Way. Last Action Hero is great. Love that film. Hey, Last Action Hero is probably as great as Jingle All the Way. At least, <laughs> at least <laughs> at as least. good as Jingle All the Way. But no, you're right. Phil Hartman uh, is uh, it's kind of that's that was the the real what they call it. Uh, stunt casting for this they're like yes arnie arnold Schwarzenegger wants to be a family actor so he's a big enough draw that if he tries it people will go and watch it anyway and uh but we probably need to get some some real it's just meant to be a comedy we've got to get some real people in there so yeah they throw in phil hartman they throw in 
uh, Jim Belushi and you know people like yeah. that. But um, it's inter- I did read that uh, before Sinbad was cast as Myron, they were considering Joe Pesci <laughs> for that role, but they thought it would look too ridiculous because he's too so much shorter than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so they- Un- unlike twins or Junior, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and probably it was a bit With too similar DeVito. to Devito, yeah. But then I think it, may- yeah. it would make more sense, like if, uh, for Myron to be kind of physically um, just another dad, and they're kind of about the same size. That makes more sense. It means it makes the the race and the competition a bit more even keeled and either it could go either way and he doesn't do the yes. army doesn't get to do that thing that he does in all those other comedies where he shows off the fact that he is in this universe and the strongest man in the world or whatever like you know in twins where he like lifts a car and stuff uh-huh. like that like there's none, there's none of that in this he is just a dad who happens to do as phil hartman's character ted likes uh, points out at the end like likes to do his bench presses you can't bench press yeah. your way out of this one <laughs> That is a really great line, which is weird because like, you don't ever see you don't see that part of of Howard in this film. Like obviously, no, he's, obviously yeah. he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, so it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. You're like, you assume that the character must work out and be into being a big muscly dude because otherwise he wouldn't look the way he is. But because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, we don't need to show the fact that he goes to the gym or works out in his garage or whatever. We just assume. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so it looks like a little nod to. Him. But then he, he does something else that nods to another one of his films. Doesn't he say, oh, yeah, he's on the phone to Ted, and Ted is in his kitchen eating his cookies yes. that his wife made. And he's like, yeah. put the cookie down! Yeah. Which is a really weird... <laughs> that like, is brilliant. To, uh, just yeah. but like, a week bef- like a week before you told me, uh, oh, let's do Jingle All The Way, I was just watching Phil Hartman clips on YouTube. Um, and there was the interview with him and Conan, Conan O'Brien from 1996 when the movie came out. Oh yeah. Um and it's just them talking about this movie and they showed that clip um as like the oh what are we going to see in this movie. Um and <laughs> Phil Hartman is just sat there like uh, I think he just doesn't give a shit, right? Like this is just something he's doing for the money or or whatever. But I love that bit. I th- I think that bit is so funny where you've got uh Arnie is ringing to talk to his wife to talk um like to, to to ring home to say I can't get the toy or whatever, but Ted Phil Hartman, who is the sleazy divorcee neighbor, he's like he's there. Um, he, he's a single dad, but he uses the fact he's a single dad to fuck mums, and <laughs> Presum- that's like yeah, yeah that's camera. like the whole the whole tr- like his whole like character trope is that they go. Earlier on, there's a karate class, and all the mums are there like, Oh, Ted, you're such a good father. Oh, Ted, can you help me fix the, the light in my porch? And uh, stuff like this. And yeah, he's all like... Yeah, euphemism much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, like Ted's like, I'm fucking all the mums in the neighbourhood. Bang, bang, bang. And the only one he hasn't fucked yet is Arnie's wife. So he is Which, very much the there trying... He actually wants as well. Like he says yeah, because he's the, the one he later. can't fuck. Yeah, it's like yes. lots of women would give a lot to be in your position right now. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh, so he, he, Phil Hartman is there trying to trying to push a wedge between uh, between uh, the, the Langston couple. Um, but yeah, so Ted, Ted is in the house with, with Arnie's wife and he said, hey, why don't you... Go and have a shower and I'll finish up the cooking. So Arnie calls home and he's, uh, Phil Hartman picks it up and Arnie's like, where's my wife? 
Um, and he's like, oh, she's in the shower. I can get her if you want or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that, that whole scene is just brilliant because Phil Hartman, like he absolutely 100% knows the poison that he is spewing, but he says it in such a way that is like, I'm just being a good neighbor. Right. It's like, yeah, like you could put a twist on this film, a real dark twist, like the sort of film that Robin Williams sort of did in the early 2000s where yes. you take this entire premise but then t- turn the character of Ted into a, a psychopath and that's a real yes. seedy, creepy kind of uh, home invasion kind of character. That could work. I would, I would watch that. Imagine if Phil Hartman had done it too. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been brilliant? That, what way to turn his, like to put a sort of a twist on his career to play, do that creepy, that yeah, creepy yeah, thing. Yeah. That's what so many comic actors do nowadays. Like Jim yes. Carrey has done it, and Steve Carell has done it, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah like I was just saying, Robbie Williams, Robbie Williams, yeah. <laughs> Rob, Robbie Williams, the Rock yeah, DJ I mean, guy. He's he's turned into a bit of a creep. But I don't think that was a career move. Look, that Rock DJ video was fucking terrifying. <laughs> now we're on. Now we're on the subject of Christmas. I remember for Christmas one year, it could possibly have been my birthday. I don't remember when Rock DJ came out, but it was either Christmas or my birthday. I was given the single for Rock DJ, right? Now, do you remember the video for Rock I DJ? I actually do remember it quite well. Yeah. yeah, this is a music video from like 1998 or something. And in this music video, he rips the skin from his body. Yes. In the and uncensored I re- version. I remember like they released, they released it as a full video. And then obviously parents kicked off like, this is messed up. So they recut the video that <laughs> left that bit out. And then after that, you couldn't really find the original version anymore. Man, I haven't seen that for like 20 years. But the minute you said Rock DJ, I was like, ah, PTSD yeah, flashbacks. I went, I, went, I went straight to that bit at the end of the video. Because he gets naked as well for a lot of it. Yeah, well, the whole thing is like he's stripping and then he's naked and all of the girls like skating around him or riding bikes or some shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, he's like, oh, well, I've got nothing else to take off. I guess I'll just rip off my skin. <gasps> Natural progression. That <gasps> makes sense. It's perfectly logical. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Let's, let's, let's get away from Robbie Williams. Anyway. Is, I don't <laughs> yeah. think I'm going to sleep tonight. So, back, so back Howard, Arnie, he's still looking for the Turbo Man toy. He can't get it anywhere. Sinbad fucking brings up like the Unabomber, Oklahoma City bomber, uh, letter bomb terrorism of the mid-90s for a comic twist. <laughs> and, <laughs> Hilarious. And... Yeah, and then he goes back and he sees Ted, Phil Hartman, the sleazy one, trying to get it on with his wife. And he's like, oh, that Ted, I'm going to I'm gonna steal his son's Turbo Man toy. Um, and that, and which he tries. Uh, and then... Yeah, there's little beautiful flashback moments where they have dialogue from previous in the movie, re- like repeating uh, sort of uh, off camera as, as if he's imagining. Yeah. Like a proper like um, Ned Flanders, nothing at all. Nothing, Nothing at, all. at all. Nothing <laughs> at all. Like echoing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought my son a Turbo Man doll weeks ago. It's nestled safely under our tree. Under our yeah. tree. Under our tree. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant storytelling trope. Love it. It is great. So he breaks into the house, try, tries to steal the Turbo Man toy from, from Ted, um, but then almost burns his house down, right? It's a disaster. Yeah. Well, he has that moment where he's like, what am I doing? I'm a piece of shit. Yes. I, 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 need to, I need to stop. And you feel like he's about to, for the first time in the movie, be truthfully honest. And this, he's almost like he's resigned himself to the fact that he's failed. Because that's what annoys me about this film, even though it's the whole 
thrust and the whole momentum of the movie is he won't accept that he's fucked up and he should just yes. set, he should just face up to it. Like he goes, he tries to manipulate and deceive everyone just to try and maintain his, I don't know, his his reputation or his winning winningness, which is really like another real all American thing, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. an all American dad who works hard, uh, but he loves his kids and his family and his wife, and he provides for them. And like like the guess what the Phil Hartman character is kind of supposed to be, um, but he's like he's trying to he's trying to fill too many boxes at once, and he's not willing to let the fact that he has just been a bad father and a bad husband for a while be be known to the point where he will break into a neighbor's house, even though he's a bit annoying. Like they try and make it sympathetic. They try and make you, as the audience, go, yeah, but Ted is a bit annoying. He's real... He's yeah, so, exactly. He's, he's, like, he's like too perfect. Like, no one likes that character. No one likes the perfect yeah. man who everybody yeah. likes and his kid loves him because he goes above and beyond to give him his kid... Yeah, because he's a he good dad. He's a good dad. And because you're, Arnie is the protagonist and you're meant to be on his side, even though he's the one who f- is fucking up his family, you're meant to be like, oh, fuck that guy. Ted's such a dick. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you kind of feel like in that moment where he's still in the toy, where he finally just accepts himself. But then, of course, more hilarious hijinks ensue, and nothing is as simple as it should be. In, cla- in you know, classic family comedy fashion. Yeah, so he he again, his wife is is pissed off because he almost burns down the neighbor's house. His <laughs> they go away. Um, she's like they they go to the Christmas parade, right? And With Howard, uh, yeah, Arnie has promised that he would go to his son, and then he almost burns down the neighbor's house. Um, and his wife is like, oh. Ted, will you take me to the parade? And, and Ted's like, yeah, sure. It's like, no, Ted, your house was just on fire. Yeah, like, ten seconds ago, your house... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's go to the parade. No, Ted. You should be like, no, I, I quickly, I just need to take care of the my destroyed house. Um, but instead, they're like, no, they're, they're, anyway, anyway. So they go to yeah, the parade. Yeah, and then, then they leave. They Ted and Liz leave Howard in Ted's house. With a a reindeer! With, or the reindeer that Ted assumes is still in the backyard, I suppose, at this point, because, you know, hilarious things. Uh, Howard has to sneak out the back door with the stolen toy because there are carolers outside Ted's house who will recognize him sneaking out of someone's house with a stolen toy. So it goes out the back door, and of course, the reindeer, which Ted got for his son because he's so fucking perfect. And yeah. he's going to, oh, that awful bit where he's um, saying, I think after Christmas, uh, I've been watching this this herd of deer down by the lake. Yes. I'm going to release the reindeer there and see if they take him in as one of their own. Like, That's not how yeah. nature works. <laughs> do that. Anyway, and of course, the, re- the reindeer chases Howard through Ted's house like some rabid dog in the cartoon. But then after that all happens and he, ha- Howard gets caught, his wife gets pissed off, goes off with the neighbour. The reindeer yeah. breaks, busts back through out of the kitchen and charges Howard, and he uppercuts the, the, the guy. He knocks the reindeer out with a punch, and it was at that point. I don't I, remember I, that. He he smacks the reindeer around the head with his giant ham fists, and was, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, "All right, I'm out. Get a divorce, Liz. This guy is not worth it. He punched an animal like this. That is out of order." <laughs> So uh, right then, I'm scribbling notes on my notepad going, this guy's despicable. How are we supposed to be sympathetic for this protagonist? He's a bastard. And then it cuts to the next scene, which is, I guess is, is framed as, don't worry, 
Howard's not a bad guy. Him and the reindeer are friends now. They're sort of sat in the back garden and the reindeer's drinking out of a bucket. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess maybe they're made up. How did they make up? How did they reconcile? Howard's feeding the reindeer beer. He's pouring beer yes, into he's, the bucket. He's, yeah, he's drugged, he's, he's then, drugged this animal after he's knocked it out physically yeah. with violence. And we're expected to be like, ah, yeah. oh, he's not that bad. He's giving him a treat. That could, how does he, that, he could be killing the reindeer for all we know. Oh. Well, and even worse, oh. he, he finishes, he drinks a beer, then he realises he's going to drink downtown, so he's going to drive downtown after he's just drank a beer. He's like, I've just drank a beer. I know, I'm going to go downtown and save my marriage. It's like, Howard, you've had a couple of drinks. Firstly, yeah, but, but you don't shouldn't forget, be his driving. car got... Yeah, he can't drive because his car got... Um, he left it when he ran out of gas and all of his hijinks around town trying to get a turbo. That's man. true, and all the wheels are that... taken off it. Okay, yeah, maybe. he gets stripped outside of a diner, doesn't it? And so then he gets in a cab and he can't get to the... the the uh, jiggy, the parade, because all the roads are closed. So that he's like in a cab and he's going, can't you go any faster? And the cabbie's like, no, we're in standstill traffic. There's a parade. What do you think I can do? <laughs> well that's that's fair enough then but we have the bit where he he opens another beer for himself and then he decides and then he gives the pause the entire new beer <laughs> yeah. to the reindeer he's like oh looks like this one is just for you reindeer and then he he pours it and he's like what are you doing Anyway, he goes down to the parade <laughs> at the parade he's mistaken for the actor who is supposed to uh, portray Turbo Man on the float he ends yeah. up in. He's following a Turbo Man toy. He ends up um, being pushed onto the float, and then oh my god, he's been looking for the Turbo Man toy, but now he is literally dressed as as Turbo Man, and uh, his son sees him as Turbo Man. Uh, the Sinbad comes out as the villain. Um, he beats the villain, and then he gets. He gives his son a toy, but then uh, at the end, his son is like, "I don't need the toy. I have." The real Turbo Man, right here. Um, and so he gives the toy to Sinbad, the pirate mailman, so that his son can have a Merry Christmas because they have a happy family at the end. Um, I wanted to rush through that ending because it's kind of worth getting into a little bit more in the, like, the theme of the movie, which, to me... The theme of this film is supposed to be satire and irony, but the entire movie does it completely ironically, uh, so unironically, rather, where we're supposed to look at this film and say, oh, at the end, the, the moral of the story is uh, his son didn't need the toy. His son just wanted his father to be there, right? Yeah. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is his son didn't want the toy because his dad was dressed as the superhero. If Arnie hadn't dressed up as Turbo Man, it would have been a shit Christmas. So while it's it's trying to like do this, like a kind of almost like a satire on you know modern phenomenons like Black Friday and that yeah. that rush on toy stores and that super commercialization of Christmas where uh, family values are replaced with buying your family as many things as possible. Yeah, hyper-commercialism, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be an ironic, dark twist on that. But it just doesn't happen. That there is, The movie is an, a satire with no satire in it. 
as far as I can tell. Did you no. feel that it was being satirical? No, 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 not at the time at all. Like it makes it makes the occasional joke at the expense of of capitalism and this yeah, hyper commercialism that surrounds the holidays, and even to the point where they make they make a little joke about a uh, a toy store employee getting trampled when he opens the toy store at nine yeah. in the morning. And he's got that that hilarious slapstick comedy boot print on his face. So yeah, but people have actually died being trampled at Black Friday sales and pre Christmas. Shopping and stuff, which I guess now maybe those kind of stories came after this film was released, but I guess it, with time things can seem a little bit more messed up, and you know comedy um, ideals kind of change and co- political correctness kinds of kind of changes and and etc. And when it comes with with hindsight, you can <laughs> take things as they are. But no, I think with satire, what you kind of need to pay off. You need a punchline. Like it's fine. It's fine making jokes at the expense of um, something that's kind of wrong with with society and about human nature and the the values that we have around uh yeah capitalism and materialism but then if the ending of the movie is instead of it's the, to, to me the end of the movie isn't he doesn't need the doll anymore because his dad is he's got his dad back to me like you said the the ending of the story is he doesn't need the doll because he got the greatest doll ever like it's instead of yeah, having he got Arnold same, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah, instead of having the doll that all his friends got, instead he's got one that's way better and bigger and the actual Turbo Man. Like it's still materialistic and it's still shallow. So yeah. It, so and they, I think they try. Like I don't think this film's completely misguided. I think they try with like the kid giving the doll to the because I think with the, that kind of competition between Arnie's character and Sinbad's character, there's kind of a bit of a classist thing going on there where. Yes. Where Arnold is a um, successful middle-class businessman, nicely dressed. He's got the, the perfect house and a nice neighborhood and he's got mm. the, you know, the nuclear family and all, that, and all that stuff. And his direct competition in, on the materialistic side of things mm. in this way with the chase for the doll is a working-class postman who's also black. I don't know if we can read too yes. much into that, but... There's a moment where uh, where Myron says to to Howard, "Me and you are the same. Like we're we're going through the same thing. We're both dads. We're both trying to trying to do our best for our kids, and we're both struggling. Why not? Let's not. Why not we team up? Let's work together. Let's pool our resources, and we'll maybe mm. we'll be successful." And yeah, Howard has this kind of scoff and look of disdain. Like, "Ugh, me and you, we're not the same. Don't offend yeah. me." That's yeah. So I forgot where I was going with that. I get it. I got I got all. Um, caught up in politi- political uh, divides there and now I've, I've forgotten my point. Yes! <laughs> yeah, now we're talking, Dave. Now we're getting there. We're but getting yeah, you're, your wheelhouse you're, now, so... Yeah, you are, and, and you are, you're exactly right. Like, that is the exact way the movie plays out, is it is, uh, is yeah, upper middle class versus working class. It is pretty much white versus black as the movie goes on, because... You could say you could say what you will about how class and and race interact, especially in America. But in this movie, it is literal. There are only two or three times they that Sinbad uh, will make a reference to to being black in in the film. But he does he does mention it. Once oh yeah, or twice. Like, right, towards the beginning as well. Right when you're getting an introduction to his character, everything he talks about is about being black. I did read that yeah. Sinbad improvised a lot of his own lines. 
And I imagine maybe him being a comedian, maybe a lot of his material in his comedy was based around being black and American and all that. And he was just kind of filtering that into his character in, in the movie. Yeah. yeah like, I know like when there's that scene where they're chasing after these bouncy balls that are supposed to be like a, like a, a lottery for who gets a turbo man at this toy store. And when he yeah. gets trampled by all these um, other shoppers, cause he's got one, he shouts, Rodney King, Rodney King. Yes. Yes. And it's like, didn't Rodney King happen in the 90s? Or is that... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that's pretty, a pretty dark oh, reference. Was it the 80s? Yeah. Was it the 80s? Yeah, it's like maybe it's a I, decade I later and he's in a family movie based around Christmas presents. He's referencing something that didn't effectively began the chain of events that caused the LA riots in the yeah. early 90s. Yeah. So that's a strange... And there you go, 91, yeah, 91. 91, yeah. So barely five yeah. years since... Uh, since that happened, and here he is making jokes about it in a in an Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas movie. Yes, well, that goes to speak to the commercialization uh, thing, I guess, where you know you can you can bring these things up, and um, you know, is it just going to make money at the box office? Like it, it's touching on on a serious aspect of American racism with zero consequences. Um, but there is, I don't know. I think we can we can like move from Sinbad to comparing the fathers in general. So we have the three fathers, uh, Arnie, Sinbad, and and Phil Hartman. Who do you think is the best father in this movie? Because I know who I think it is, but I'm interested to to see what you think. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think Sinbad is the best father. Do you? Why do you think Sinbad is the best father? Well, it was more of like a quick process of elimination. And the whole, I guess the whole film is based on the fact that Arnie is not a great father. Um, maybe yeah. he, he, he has been. He tells that story about how he built um, Jamie a clubhouse and he absolutely loved it. And I was like, that's sweet. That's a good story. But from the, the timeline of the movie, we don't see him excel in fatherhood at all. Even at the ending where it's all kind of like, you like the the coincidence and the serendipity that led to you resolving the your family issues was unbelievable. Like I guess yeah, that's why it's completely ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, and I know it's a film, and movies are supposed to showcase the extraordinary. Like if it was a normal story where you know it was all believable and it all could happen, it wouldn't be a big blockbuster family movie that cost sixty million dollars. Mm. It'd be a little kitchen sink thing where people yell and argue, and it feels really real and awkward. <laughs> but um yeah so i don't arnie doesn't ever prove that he's a good father he, like he's really willing to go to great lengths to get this doll we see that throughout the movie but only because he messed up in the first place and like i sort of hinted at before i think it's it's very it's kind of almost selfish like he he lied to his mm. wife when his wife said did you get the doll and he's like yeah of course i did yes so now he's got to protect himself because he knows that if his wife finds out that he lied he's gonna be in some shit yeah, and I think he's more scared of his wife than he is of his of being a bad father, uh, being a bad father to his son. So based on that evidence, I don't think it's Arnie. Yeah, and he's not a good husband. He's not a good father. No, not at all. And even even the, by the whole film's end, he hasn't really changed. He doesn't go. He hasn't learned a lesson. He, he just got lucky. He got really, really lucky. Really, yeah. he almost lost his whole family because of his attitudes towards them throughout their their life and yeah at the end he doesn't he doesn't go i'm gonna do less hours of work or i'm gonna work from home more or um like a little montage at the end with him going to jamie's karate recital next year 
or yeah. um, you know, just building a new clubhouse or something that shows that he is trying to do better as a father. Well, isn't that perfectly isn't that perfectly summed up in the post credits scene? Where at the end at the end of the movie they're <laughs> yeah. together again, they're a happy family, and then in the post credits scene, his wife, we have this comedy moment, they're decorating the Christmas tree. His wife says, Oh, if you went through all that effort for Jamie I can't wait to see what you've got for me. And then you get the dramatic zoom up and Arnie goes, wah, 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 Yeah, wah. he turns the camera like with that. horror, like, oh no. Which I read, yeah, yeah, apparently yeah. they put that in there to open the door for a sequel, which I can only imagine is a direct follow-on that comes out the Christmas next, the following year. In which no, it's the Ar- next Arnie... day, right? It's got yeah, to be, no, it's got I mean, to like, be like the next... Yeah, yeah, but it's released in cinemas the following year for next year's Christmas movie. Yeah, where Christmas morning, Arnie has to run around trying to find his wife a present at the last minute. (laughs) Oh, the the hijinks that could ensue. Um, Well, did you know that there there is a sequel? There is is a sequel sequel to Jingle All The Way. Um, Apparently in nothing but name, like it doesn't follow any of the same characters. And it was straight to to, to DVD in, what, only 2014? Wow. 2014, yeah. It's a WWE movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which is a, a cool link because uh, we're watching it this time around. You know the big fight between Arnie and all the Santas in that CD warehouse? A huge yes. giant Santa comes out. And I was like, that looks and sounds like the big show. And then in, in the credits, it was like Paul White. It's like, that's the name of the big show. That was the big show. Amazing. <laughs> That it, is yeah, awesome. Yeah, That's I was really a cool. big fan of late 90s, early 2000s, WWF slash E. So yeah, to see the big show there was, was good fun. And yeah, the, they were quite good at getting their fingers into the movie's production. If, if they were going to allow one of their superstars to be in a movie, they were like, oh, let's just make sure we get a little bit of that. Until yeah. They, you know, yeah, eventually yeah. formed their own movie studio so that John Cena and people could be in crappy straight to DVD movies. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, going back to what we were talking about, who's the best dad? Yes. It's not Arnie for all those reasons. Yes. And I also don't think it's Ted. I don't think it's Phil Hartman because obviously we don't know the circumstances around his divorce, but he is a divorcee. So I don't want to read too much into the fact that he's no longer with his wife. Who knows who's at fault there? But as you kind of said before, it seems like he, whether he meant to do it initially, but he's kind of become this like catnip for single mums. And they all mm-hmm. want him to come around and do handyman shit around their houses and they bake him cookies. And yeah, I suppose as an adult watching it, you're liking, you're thinking he can get as much milf tail as he wants. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the exact phrasing I used while I was watching this movie. Actually. Milf, God, milf that Phil tail. Hartman, he can get as much milf tail as he wants. Yeah. So, but then, but then if you look at all the ways he, what all the things he does for, as a father to his son, it just, because he has that kind of CD thing, and maybe it's just because we're watching him tr- try to prey on our protagonist's wife. So he's designed in a way that makes us dislike him. Like, we're, we're supposed to like the protagonist, and anyone who's antagonistic to him is someone we're not supposed to like. So as a somewhat half-sophisticated movie watcher, <laughs> you kind of go, well, obviously, he's not meant to be likable properly. Like in the first, he builds him up to be it. like he's a nice guy, but you're like he's gonna turn out to be a creep. Of course he is. He's kind yeah. of nice the whole way through. So all the things that he goes out of his way to do for his son, like getting him a reindeer and buying him the Turbo Man weeks in advance, and whatever else he does, and all the way he's like the perfect um, 
what do, what do they call it, like domestic daddy to all yeah. the neighbours. It's It all seems to come from a place of manipulation or just ego. So it's yeah, I, de- I didn't watch that thinking, oh, isn't he, like, he must be the best dad ever. Even if his kid thinks he's the best dad ever, I just don't buy the authenticity of it. It just seems real, real seedy and uh, impure, I suppose. See, so, that's where I, uh, that's where I'm going to disagree with you. I think that Ted is the best father in this movie, um, and the reason that we are led to think that he is not is because we're seeing the movie from Arnie's perspective. Yes, and so yeah, exactly. so because and but if one of the reasons we always think that Ted is such a seedy guy is because it cuts to Arnie's face making a reaction to what Ted says. So, like, with the reindeer one is a good example, right? It's, it's such a ridiculous thing to say. The way he's like, oh, I'm going to take the reindeer down to all the other deer. I've been watching these other deer. and I'm, But you, you watch Arnie's face and he's like, oh, for God's sake, this guy. Yeah. Right? Which prick. leads us as the audience. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a prick. Like, as the audience, we follow Arnie's reaction because although he's not a good protagonist, he is the protagonist of the movie, right? Yeah. Um, but... If we assume that Ted is being honest when he says these things, rather than playing up for show, because we're led to believe that all everything he's saying is just a manipulation and a lie to get that milf tale, as you were saying, or to show what a great daddy is. But if we make the assumption that he is genuine in that, he's actually a good guy, and... Like, he's actually a good father who did get the toy two months in advance. And the only reason that we think he's a bad father is because we're supposed to sympathise with Arnie, who is the bad father. And so you look at the bad father looking at a good father, and it's like the Homer Simpson Ned Flanders thing, right? (laughs) Ned Flanders is actually a good guy, and Homer is a horrible guy. But we are led to think that Ned Flanders is such a pain in the ass because we love the Simpsons. And because we love the Simpson family, Ned Flanders is like, oh God, I hate that kind of person. But Ned Flanders is actually a good guy, whereas Homer Simpson is a terrible father. He strangles his son regularly. They're real extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, Phil, I think Phil Hartman in this as Ted is, like, actually a good dad who we are led to believe is a bad father because we're seeing it from the perspective um, of the bad father. And what you were saying about, you know, his manipulations and stuff, I agree. That's definitely where the movie is, what the movie is pointing towards. But that, again, goes back to episode one of Daddy Issues, where we spoke about the difference between Mufasa and Scar and The Lion King. And we said Mufasa is this bench-pressing lion, like that alpha male figure who dominates through his physical presence. Whereas Scar, we perceive as the villain because he's weedier and more manipulative and he, he plans things, he thinks things through. Whereas Mufasa just acts on his, his physicality. And we see that at the play in Jingle All The Way again. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the hero because despite being Austrian, he's the all-American father. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas Phil Hartman, who is the smaller guy, he's the one who spends his time actually thinking about his son. We see him as the villain of the piece because, you know, he's not doing things in the physical, straightforward way. 
He's doing things, you know, he's thinking about things. He's making plans. Well, he got a reindeer because he was thinking about his son in advance. What a schemer. Um, it's a really, it's that same kind of masculinity dynamic that we were talking about before, right? A man is someone who acts on impulse. He runs, he chases a bouncing ball through a shopping mall. He, <laughs> you know, fights, he fights in bad, the, the postman uh, pirate, and... Uh, flies on a jetpack at the end of the movie because that's what men do. Whereas Phil Hartman, who is actually a good dad throughout the movie, and he makes one mistake where he tries to kiss uh, Rita Wilson, and like, yeah, that's definitely a seedy dad thing. That's like, uh, that's well, that's not him being a bad dad. That's just him being a shit guy. Um, but if we remove that, that's the only bad thing he actually does in the movie. Um. Which is why I I think that it's that different tale of, of masculinity that shines Ted in a bad light because he's not the man's man, whereas Arnie is definitely the man's man. And Sinbad, I don't know. You think Sinbad is the best the best father? I what, what's what's your case? That, well, he's the one who makes who I have any sympathy for. I don't have any sympathy for the, any of the other ones. Oh, I yes. mean, the other two. And yeah, just going back to to Phil Hartman briefly. Um, oh, shit. I forgot what I was going to say. No. Victory is mine. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's leave Phil Hartman alone and move we'll on. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. If I remember, I'll come back to it. But yeah, I, Sinbad is the one that I have sympathy for because as we said before, like he, he is the one who seems to have the hardest life. Yes. He's, he's not some middle-class white American who can, uh, you know, afford... To give their family a everything, and yeah, and a reindeer, and yeah. where like Ted can afford to give everything to his son, and he does, fair enough. Yes, Arnie can afford to give everything his son wants, but he doesn't because he's a bit of a fuck up. But yeah. Sinbad is a guy who actually seems like life is piled up against him, and he's just trying to do his best. And he's obviously a little bit imbalanced. <laughs> he's obviously got yeah. a few issues. Um, with the with the rants that he goes on and the terrorism, the domestic the, terrorism, the accidental He's a terrorist, do, yeah, the accidental uh, domestic terrorism, and even I guess suppose um, false terrorism is still quite a serious, uh, yeah. <laughs> serious thing. So it's obviously not a completely centered person, but he talks about well, obviously he's a, first of all he's a postman, he's working class, and he's in his uniform, so which means that he is working Christmas Eve. Probably yeah. a long shift. He's he's got his little van and everything, but he's supposed to be working. I suppose he loses a bit of sympathy by not doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah. and he talks about how like I, I can't remember because he talks so quickly. And there's there are moments in this film where I'm like that was that was ramp that was garbled. I didn't understand what he just said there, which mm. I think is kind of was kind of his shtick as a comedian. Yes. He would just like go really quickly, and it was funny the way he delivered it. And occasionally he catch what he says, but. It says something about how, like, he's not even with the, the mother of the child that he pays alimony to and he's getting the present for. And he says, he says something about even though she slept with everyone else in the post office except me. So he may not even be providing for his own son. <laughs> he's just, he's doing what Arnie's trying to do, but with much less resources. And he's had probably had much less time to do it. He's probably works much more strained time than, than Arnie does. He seems to be quite 
a, ma- a manager position, doesn't he, Arnie's character? Whatever he is, I forget what he's doing at the beginning. Is it mattresses? Yeah, he's a mattress salesman. Like he that. owns the yeah. warehouse or something. Or something. Yeah. Some kind of manager because he's got his own office. He's got an assistant and he's dealing with problems that involve placating customers and lying to them. Because, you know, like all, all good men do. Um, so, yeah, I guess none of, I guess the idea of the film is none of them are perfect. If there's not an easy person to, to get all your chips behind, but Sinbad is the one I thought that he, I was the most sympathetic for. And maybe that's just a... It's, it's strange. It's difficult now, probably just in the times we live in, economically, politically, and all that. All, that, all those buzzwords that tend to turn people off. So I apologise if you've heard those words and you're like, oh shit, okay, I'm, I'm switching off now. But <laughs> trying to be sympathetic for a well-to-do middle-class white American is hard yes. now. It's just, I just, it's just like, oh, I, and I, like we said right at the beginning, I think, that this is a Christmas movie. So it, what's at stake is the spirit of Christmas. And it's not necessarily, you're not watching this going, oh, I, want, I hope that the, the all-American family unit is repaired at the end of this. You're watching it going. The protagonist wants to get the doll for his kids, so I guess we hope that's what happens. Um, so really, it's hard to watch that now, as in, maybe as an adult, or an, and because it's the, the current climate and care. Like I don't, yeah. I don't I, really give it. I don't care if if a manager of a mattress um, warehouse. Forgot to get his son the kid the present that he wants, which he could have got weeks ago. And again, you look at it now and think, if this was happening now, eBay, I don't know, Amazon Prime, like you could probably yeah. get one. <laughs> but it's yeah. a really, it's kind of yeah, really out of time in that respect. But no, I just it's it's hard to have any sympathy for for our protagonist in this in this story. And at least there's one character in the film which has some some real life grounding in uh, in some some sort of struggle yeah yeah i think i think you're right yeah it's it's that again it's that that problem of the film saying it's a satire but not actually being satirical no right like yeah like a movie like home alone you can have which is another uh, this is this one is produced jingle all the way is produced by chris columbus i think home alone is directed by chris columbus right so there's that that similar kind of i know chris columbus loves christmas movies i guess um christmas columbus yeah Yeah. (laughs) um where uh it's the same kind of house right like the the house in home alone is huge that's why so much of the movie can happen there like the the family in home alone are well off are well to do but and that's why they're being robbed because the the family is so rich yeah so it makes some sense logically that they'd be that rich but it also makes things more convenient for storytelling yeah but we can sympathize with uh with Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone because he's a child, yeah. right? If it, if it was the dad and the dad was Home Alone and he got robbed, we'd be like, well, you kind of asked for it, really. But it's because it's Macaulay Culkin. We're like, oh, look, he's a cute little boy and he's singing in the bathroom or whatever. Like, that makes sense for that film. But if you twist that and you make the movie about Arnie, well, Firstly, it's Arnie, so he's not the underdog in any scenario, unless no. it's against Predator. And even against <laughs> Predator, you know, Sinbad ain't Predator. That's all I'm saying. Um, so that would be a more interesting twist, I think. Jingle all the way to the chopper, the Christmas Predator movie. <laughs> oh I would watch Oh my that. god, that would be amazing. That would be good. And I'm, I'm in um, it with the title alone. 
um, the title. <laughs> thank is, you, is thank you, uh, uh, thank you very much. But the the person that we should really sympathise with in this movie, the is delivering his best on screen performance, Jake Lloyd as as Jamie Langston. Woo woo woo. Um, uh, Jake Lloyd, man. Jake, Jake if we're boy. talking about. If we're doing, my boy Jake Lloyd. If we're oh, talking yeah. about someone that I sympathised with as a kid, and then later grew up to be like, why? Then this is the guy, right? This <laughs> yeah. this is me. You know when we spoke about like Simba and the Lion King and how we used to see ourselves as Simba. This is this is the guy, right? If I saw myself as anyone as a kid, it was Jakey Lloyd. Yeah, and... at least this one you can you can um, you can relate to. Like he's he's not a. Yes. Uh, 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 obnoxious little prince prick. <laughs> He's actually just a a fairly humble, down to earth little kid. You're right. Yeah. He's he's our he should be really be who we see the story through. Yeah. Now that's what I call Christmas. That's instead of his pod pod racing, isn't that what he says? That's oh, what I call pod racing. That was good. Like that, that was good. That's more obscure. I didn't get it first time, but no. no. Well, now, if, now if it was it so obscure, if it's so obscure that you didn't get it, then it wasn't good. Um, but I, I'm going to claim it anyway. Uh, yeah, Jig Lloyd is actually pretty good in this movie because unlike, say, The Phantom Menace, which is his, you know, his only other notable credit, um, where he plays Anakin Skywalker, obviously. Obviously. This, this movie makes sense. What he has to say makes sense. Right, all he has to do is sit there and go. But Dad, I want a toy. Right, he knows how to do that because he's a kid and he wants toys, and yeah. he's good at that. He's a fine child actor in this movie for what this movie is. But then you stick him in the Tunisian desert talking about a film franchise that was made twenty years before he was born. <laughs> um, he he has no context for anything that is happening in Star Wars. Right, that's why he. He can't do it. I think his performances are probably on par in Phantom Menace and in this. But in this one, it works because it's a simple child role, right? It's, oh, I'm I'm a little boy and I just want this toy and I want my dad to love me, basically. Yeah, I think that's, um, that should be much easier for him. But I don't know. I watched this going, oh, that's not great. Like he kept looking looking away like he was forgetting where he was and trying to remember his lines. I don't want to, I don't want to shit on Jake Lloyd. I love Jake Lloyd. He's, he's I like Jake Lloyd as well. He's had a tough time and I sympathize with him greatly. Um, and, but no, I, I won't agree with you exactly, but I don't think it it really matters when you're comparing performances between, uh, Jamie Langston and Jimmy all the way and Anakin Skywalker and the Phantom Menace. We're not exactly, uh, trying to decide between a, a deadlock and the, uh, the category of best supporting actor. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, no, so but, uh, so he was yeah. again. He was six years old when he did this movie, right? No, he, he can't filmed been, this movie. He can't have been six he, years old. He was born in 1989. The movie came out in 96, right? So, yeah, it would have been so assuming it took around a year. So he's six or seven when he makes this movie. Wow. Yeah. Like. I could not have I could not have put in a better performance as a six or seven year old. Who as a six year old is putting in a, yeah a, a better performance than that? You know, so yeah, I mean you it, it's he's a child actor. You, yes, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. I think it's when did Home Alone come out? It's before this, right? It's like that's 93, 90, 93, Yeah. Oh no, yeah, 90, so I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So again, it's a, this is a, a Chris. This is a Columbus joint. 
And <laughs> so Columbus, like he's coming off the back of Home Alone, the success of Home Alone, working with these child actors. Um, but Jake Lloyd isn't Macaulay Culkin in that film. Like he's just not. No, and there's a reason that but, he didn't grow, you know, turn out to be such an iconic child actor as Macaulay yeah. Culkin was. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, he, he, in, in this role as a son, uh, I think he does, he does a great job. He just, wants his, he just wants his dad to be there, and his dad yeah. isn't there. To be fair, he does, yeah, he does fine uh, throughout. And it, actually, I, obviously I sat down to watch this movie not expecting it to affect me in any emotional way. Like it doesn't yes. really have the chops for that. It's not. It's not built uh, to hit those kind of notes. It's at least not as an as an adult viewer. But there is that one that one bit where Arnie is dressed as Turbo Man on the parade, and he's got to pick out a kid from the audience who's going to give the limited edition Turbo Man doll to. And he's scanning. Yeah. He's obviously scanning for Jamie. He spots him and he points at him. And then Jamie and his fat friend are both arguing about who he's pointing to. <laughs> He's, he's pointing at me. No, he's pointing to me. And then the guy, yeah. the PA guy, cranks up Turbo Man's microphone and he goes, Jamie! And Jamie goes, he knows my name! I, I got chills. I actually, yeah. I actually yeah. was like, oh my God. That's really yeah. exciting. Um, he, he, so he, he, he sold me on that surprise and the, like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in this kid's life. And I, yes. I believed it. It's like, well done, Jakey boy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give give props to 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 old Jakey L L for the <laughs> for this one. Um, okay, well, I think we can we can start to round up um, a little bit. Just a, a few other bits of trivia. Sinbad was supposed to audition for this movie, but missed the audition because <laughs> he was with because he was with Cheryl Crow and Hillary Clinton in Bosnia. Um, wow, what was that's he doing that's just yeah, that's just a, a random piece of trivia. Um, and then the the final thing quickly to talk about, I think it's not necessarily that the father son relationship or what makes any of them a good father, um, but the technology that went in to making a functioning Turbo Man suit for this Christmas parade. Yes, now, they they have a working jetpack. Yes, everything that Turbo Man, the superhero, can supposedly do. The suit for this Christmas parade can actually do. He, that is his, insane. Yeah, he has a, a fully functioning jetpack that flies pretty consistently for around two minutes. Uh, he has like a, an actual like thing that like shoots discs out of it or something. Pretty accurately like, as well. Like, yeah, 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 right yeah. In the head. yeah. <laughs> it does and he's got like a boomerang like a functioning boomerang thing Arnie never at this point is there an, is there is no suggestion in the earlier language of the film that Arnie knows how to throw a boomerang so we have to assume <laughs> the technology of this boomerang actually do you, works do you think the director thought wait he's Austrian that's where boomerangs come from right of course he knows yeah. <laughs> and they're like that's Australia ah Koala, of a koalas <laughs> Koalas and boomerangs, my favorite Austrian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, why is this movie about anything other than the functioning jetpack and superhero yeah. suit that they have? The implications of the technology of that. Why are, are they are wasting insane. it on the Christmas float? Are <laughs> yeah. you insane? But you do get this impression that this is a brand new prototype because the only reason Arnie gets mistaken for the actor who's supposed to be playing Turbo Man in the parade 
is because they had to get someone in at the last minute who they barely know because the original Turbo Man actor for the parade was in some sort of horrific accident involved in <laughs> yes, rehearsal. Yeah. But good news, he's actually shown some signs of brain activity this morning, so <laughs> thumbs up. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. But it, that doesn't vibe with the rest of the the point of the like the theme of the movie, right? Where the whole idea is that these toys are are cheap and the sh- the show that it comes from, the whole point of the show is that it's a cash in for the toys. And yeah. it's that thing with with Power Rangers exactly or Cabbage Patch Kids or whatever, where like the Power Rangers the show existed to make toys of it. Transformers is another perfect example. Like, or, you know, even Ninja Turtles or, like, any of those 80s cartoons. Or He-Man. He-Man, they they made the cartoon of He-Man because they had the toys of He-Man and they wanted to sell the toys. And it's the same thing. Transformers is the same. They had the, the toys of the Transformers, so they made a cartoon to sell more toys. Well, that's what we assume going forward with, with Turbo Man because that's, you know, kind of how it's laid out. But then they've actually spent money on a functioning superhero yeah. and they, they're not using it. They don't plan to use it at any point other than just, you know, just like float around a bit or something. I was like, Jesus Christ, that, I don't know, that blew me away a little bit. That's, it's pretty in, incredible. But then, yeah, like I say, this could, be, this, is, this could have been the alpha test. It's the first time they've used it in public. And, you know, I'll tell you what. This is a this is a nationwide phenomenon. This TV show and set of toys, and yeah. we want we really want to try and do have these public appearances to help sell the merchandise and get people watching the show. Someone goes, "I think I can design a jetpack," and they go, "That sounds dangerous." They go, "It is," and they go, "Well, when you're ready, we'll trial it in like some small town, uh, you know, not any major cities. Like it's set in Minnesota. This isn't it. I don't really know yeah. how that Minnesota compares in terms of the major cities of America." Um, but they don't do it in like the New York City Macy's Day Parade, or they don't do it in California. They do it in Minnesota, Pennsylvania, which maybe is a, a bit of a smaller, a smaller pool. And of course, this is pre-video um, phones. Video phones, man, I sound old. <laughs> Smartphones with uh, with film cameras. Film cameras. Oh, I'm just digging a bigger hole for myself here. Um, <laughs> so it's not like. If it went wrong, somebody would have recorded it on their smartphone and then it goes viral the next day, you know. So it's, it's probably quite insular. And maybe they could have used it to sell it to the uh, military next uh, the next day. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see. Like, a scenes we'd like to see uh, extended or maybe an epilogue where some general is sat watching the, watching the parade on TV going, get the president on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> get me that turbo man. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the sequel should have been about. That I think you're right. Yeah, and it's about the technology being implemented in war, and it's called Jingle All the War. Oh, Gosh. very nice. There we go. Very nice. Jingle TM, trademark, all rights reserved. I'm writing the first draft as we speak. Uh, can we ha- can we have Predator in it? Can we get a cameo <laughs> from Predator? Yeah. Jingle all the war to the chopper. No, <laughs> I went too far. Um, I'm sorry. I take it back. I rein it in. Imagine, imagine if it turned out that Jingle All the Way was actually meant as you know an in-universe sequel to Predator, and that the the whole movie is you know after Predator, what's his name in Predator? John something. They're always called yeah. John, aren't they? It's not John um, Matrix. That's the Commando. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. Yes, that's Commando. Johnny, Johnny uh, Bicep or whatever. <laughs> John All American. Yeah. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find his name because this is gonna really yeah. bother me if I. Well, no, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, like after the oh, Dutch, sorry, it's not it's not yeah, it's not John. It's, it's Dutch, 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 right. of Dutch. course, Dutch, yeah. Dutch. Why is his name Dutch? He's a German playing an American. Because Why confuse things? Anyway, f- uh, cool, hard guy, military nicknames. Yes, like Poncho. Poncho. He's got to be the uh, Native American one, right? <laughs> I think he might be the the Mexican one. Mexican. But... No, but I, yeah. I, I. But yeah, no, no, you're I, right. Like Dutch comes back from the the jungle after after the events of Predator decides I've had enough of this shit. So he settles yes. down, gets a job, uh, starts his own mattress company, and it grows yes. and grows in size, and he becomes less and less involved with his family. And maybe yeah. what we're missing, what was cut from Jingle All the Way, are the flashbacks which have distracted him from being the all-American family man that he's supposed to be uh, because he's been having nightmares about his encounter with the Predator years before. Yes. And that's why he doesn't give up because he's one of those commandos. They don't give up. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. why he's still hench. And like, he's, you know, he's got into that, that habit when he was training to, for, the, for the Marines and uh, it's, it's yeah. hard to break it. See, there we go. Perfect. Now, if we watch these movies, it so it goes, Predator... Predator 2, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> okay. And maybe Sinbad, Sinbad is in some way related to Danny Glover from uh, Predator 2. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll tie it in. There's got to be a way to tie it in. All right. I think that that kind of brings us to the end of, of Jingle All the Way. Are there any other father-son Christmas recommendations you might have? Um, actually, yeah. I Just a few weeks ago, I stuck on... Uh, uh, I was watching, wrapping Christmas presents and I thought, let's put on a Christmas movie in the background. One that I've seen a few times, I don't necessarily have to pay attention to. Um, so I stuck on Jack Frost, starring Michael Keaton and some kid and uh, Mark Addy. <laughs> and uh, who's the, the lady? I can't remember her name. Uh, oh, it was Kelly right Preston. Kelly Preston, Mrs. John Travolta. Thank you very much. Um, and also, most excitingly for me, because I, um, I saw this film when I was a kid a lot. And then I hadn't seen it really as an adult that I can remember. But um, I found out a number of, a few years ago, or rather I was reminded, that one of my all-time heroes, if not my number one icon and idol in my life, Henry Rollins, is in Jack Frost as, oh, the, yeah. as the ice hockey coach. And I was like, oh yeah! Like, I went to see uh, Henry Rollins do a stand-up show some number of years ago and he was talking about the movies that he's been in. And basically, he would whatever he gets offered, he just says yes to because he just likes doing stuff. So that's a similar thing with the hockey coach. Like no interest in hockey or, you know, <laughs> whatever. It was just, yeah, I'll do it. Sounds fun. Um, so I always planned on watching it again. So I stuck that on a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, maybe two weekends ago. And there were some father-son moments in that that actually choked me up. I was, I was at the time, I should have thought to mention it to you. Maybe we could have done our Christmas episode on that. But that, that, that's heavy. Even though the conceit of it is that Michael Keaton is a talking, walking snowman. <laughs> yes who's like wise cracking and awesome at snowball fights uh and he reconnects with his son who he didn't give enough attention to when he was alive because he was a, he was oh. a touring musician and he was chasing his dreams and then he dies in a freak car accident and he never gets to reconcile with his son and the son resents him after his death but then he gets to come back yeah. as a snowman and they have a magical time together where they reconnect and mend their family and uh yeah Watch it. That's good. That's that's a good recommendation, I think. I'm going to go with 
Uh, episode one of The Simpsons. Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Wow. Which is yes. the first first ever episode of The Simpsons. It's the Christmas one um, where they, you know, they've, they've lost all the presents. All Christmas seems to be going downhill. Homer doesn't, doesn't get his Christmas bonus, all of these kinds of things. Um, and then at the end, they, they bring home Santa's little helper, the, uh, the, the dog, the greyhound. Oh. Um, yeah. And really, it's it's the beginning of the series, the best television series of of all time, at least for like the first eight seasons of it. Um, there's there's nothing in television that has ever done what I think what those first those first seven or eight seasons of the of the Simpsons have done. Yeah, no, um, I think you're and, right there. Yeah, and that f- yeah that first that first episode is very much a kind of Bart Homer father son um, adventure that that ends up with. Uh, uh, with them, yeah, bringing bringing home the dog, which is really great. So the fact I think that's yeah. my my Christmas recommendation. Although I've because at the moment I I don't know if I've mentioned this, Dave, but I'm in China. Um, no, <laughs> I know. Why? I don't know why I say it like I'm bragging. I hate it here. Please <laughs> get me out, right? But the I'll the worst this, uh, thing. Team six after you after this. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? They're gonna kill me and dump me in the ocean like Bin hey. Laden? Imagine how all the stuff they've done you haven't heard about. Rescuing oh blonde boys from China is probably walk in the park for. <laughs> but one of the things that I've been doing, because I live in, in the south of China, it's really hot here. Today was still like 27 degrees. What? Um, yeah, I know. But it, it's completely impossible to feel Christmassy in this environment, especially because... Um, Christmas has been banned by the Chinese government. Like in places like Starbucks oh. or Pizza Hut, even some of the shopping malls, they have Christmas related stuff. But the school I work at, for example, is uh, I, I have to organize this Christmas party because I'm the only person from a country that celebrates Christmas. So I organize this Christmas party and then they say, oh, but you can't mention Christmas. Oh, I was like, Okay, so it's a Christmas party. I can't mention Christmas. I'm not allowed to use any images of Christmas. I'm not allowed to uh, look like Santa, mention Santa, anything like this. Nothing about Christmas is allowed to be used, but it is a Christmas party that does not mention Christmas. Um, So I found it very difficult this year and last year where the same thing happened to get into, you know, into the Christmas spirit. And last year... um, I don't know if you, you're going to watch the new Grinch movie with Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch. Apparently, it's pretty good. Um, but the whole point of that movie is is that in the, the new Grinch, the Grinch was just left out of Christmas. And he was alone on Christmas. And because of that, he resents it and hates it. And I was listening to this review like, that was my Christmas last year. Oh, my Christmas no. last year was I was alone on Christmas. There was nothing Christmassy going on. And then I got a thousand messages from people in the UK and from like the US and from all around the Western world sending me pictures of their turkey and their Merry Christmases and their family and being me sat there like, I'm so lonely. I hate Christmas. So this year, Dave, this year, I've, I've gone all out. I've started a cliche Christmas countdown. Every day I, I listen to another Christmas song and I watch another Christmas movie. Um, so for the last 10 days, I've been going through Christmas music and Christmas uh, movies to try and get myself into the spirit of Christmas. Um, how's, it, how's, how's it been? Has it, has it been effective? Uh, at different times, yes and no. Um, <laughs> okay. But t- today, today I watched Die Hard. Oh, um, of course. 
Yeah, because I, I, I've watched Die Hard and I've realised I prefer Lethal Weapon. But Lethal Weapon, I can't find on Pirate Bay for some reason, so I, I'll have to survive with Die Hard. Um, and uh, I've watched two different versions of A Christmas Carol. Um, I watched one? Scrooged, you, Scrooged you watch with, with Bill Murray. But yeah, and of course the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, of course. Because, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's got, it's got to be. It's got to be. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got what three, three days left. So I've got three more movies. Do you have any recommendations for th- movies to watch? Christmas movies for three, three days. Oh well, to go? I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a go, and if you tell me you've seen them already, uh, let me okay. know. Chris, Christmas movies. Uh, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Oh, I haven't. But it's Shane Black, right? So Shane the Black. same way, yeah, the same way he like all of his movies are Christmas movies. Exactly. Like so you, you yeah, can't go wrong. Lethal really. Weapon, Lethal Lethal Weapon, Predator. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is Predator in certain Christmas? But yeah, no, you're right. Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man, Iron Man 3. Three. Yeah, he loves Christmas for some reason, and the guy loves Christmas. You can also go back to the Last Boy Scout. I think that's set in Christmas too. Okay, but right. yeah, of those, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, not only one of my favourite films anyway, uh, I love Shane yeah. Black, but that's a good one. Um, yeah. So if, since if Die Hard you count as a kind of an alternative Christmas movie, I suppose that falls yeah. into that bracket. Um, there's that. Uh, the only other one I can think of right now. Um, good luck finding it. It's called Santa's Sleigh, um, but oh Slay, yes, Sleigh is spelled S L A Y, and it's about. Um, it's a sort of a, a slasher movie where Santa is and always has been a demon who yes. lost a bet with an angel or something thousands of years ago. Uh, and the penance for that bet was he, he has to be jolly old Saint Nick and give presents to kids and whatever. Uh, the film is set in the year, the or present day, when that bet runs out and he can take out all of that pe- thousands of years of pent up um, aggression and <laughs> homicidal tendencies and he just wipes people out. Uh, which is fun in itself. It's got some real bad but funny gimmicks in it and, and little um, moments in it. But the best thing about it is that Santa is played by the former WWE wrestler Bill Goldberg, who is that is brilliant. brilliant. It's so good. He, when he was one of my favorite wrestlers at the time, uh, and yeah, it's just a huge Santa murdering people in very Christmassy <laughs> ways, like stabbing yeah. them with candy canes. And there's a, there's a huge fight scene in a strip club. <laughs> um, strippers are running around I think he kills some of them uh, it's good fun uh, and what, the only real <laughs> joke part that I remember is in that scene where he's about to use a stripper pole as a weapon he goes to grab it to rip it out and swing it at somebody but he's, he's he hesitates leans over grabs a bottle of disinfectant sprays and wipes the pole down first <laughs> and, then, and then grabs it and uses it to murder people so if you could find that, that one, great. please watch it and, and let me know what you think because I'd, I'd love to okay. get a, a recap from you if, you if possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always looking to get a, a few more to try and get more into the spirit. I know I'm definitely going to watch Trading Places. That's one of my, my oh, all-time yeah, of course. favorite movies. Yeah. Love Trading Places. Um, there's just a, another thing with, with my stepdad, going back to the father-son uh, things. For years, my stepdad, he, he has always said... Um, Looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. Which he's always said it for years. And for years, I was like, what, what is that? What is he talking about? And then I watched Trading Places on the advice of my economics teacher. And at the end of Trading Places, they, they escape from Christmassy New York or wherever, wherever they are. And then they're on like a Hawaiian island together. They've made all of their money. It's Dan Aykroyd and, and Eddie Murphy. They're lying there. One of them's on a yacht. One of them's on the beach. They're enjoying paradise. And they raise a glass to each other 
looking good, Billy Ray, feeling good, Lois. And I was like, oh my God! It was like <laughs> one of those father-son moments where I suddenly got this inspiration that I've always heard everywhere from my entire life. Um, and it just turned out to be from one of my favourite movies. So that was really great. Um, magical. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I've got Trading Places. Um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life because everyone always says that it's the best Christmas movie. The BBC just said that it's everyone's favourite Christmas movie. Really? I don't think anybody watches it. I think people just say that. And they um, just have it on at Christmas because it's like three hours long. And especially yeah, if you're watching yeah, it on yeah. TV and it's on ITV or ITV2, there's going to be advert breaks. Like, and oh. we had to watch that at uni at Christmas, do you remember? And yes, I was yes. not wholly impressed. I mean, I suppose oh, it's... Oh, it... holy. Oh, wow. Uh, that's just <laughs> high five on that one. Oh, uh, thank you. Was, International high brilliant. five. That was brilliant. Well done. Um, <laughs> I wish I'd done it. Damn you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I didn't think much of it, but I suppose it's like 70 years old now. So yes. it, it may have aged <laughs> somewhat. Yeah. Uh, then lastly, I've got uh, Black Christmas. This is my, my Christmas Day movie. I've got some romantic plans on Christmas Day that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, topping it off with with Black Christmas from 1974. It's like the precursor to slasher movies. One of the first slasher movies before Halloween, way before Scream. Um, it's a Christmas Christmas Day sorority house. Murderer gets in at Christmas. Mwah. Sounds That's gonna be peachy. Oh yeah, that's going to be a, a pretty pretty perfect Christmas, I think. You can't beat okay. that. You can't beat someone murdering sorority girls on Christmas Day, I on think. Christmas you know? Day, yeah. Perfection. Okay. All right, well, we didn't do Finding Nemo today because we wanted to do a Christmassy thing. Um, I don't want to do Finding Nemo next, actually, Dave. I've, I've decided. We, we can well, do Finding Nemo whenever. Um, sure, okay. Yeah. What, what, what do you want to do? Let's do something else. Oh, I don't know. So we, I, th- I feel like we're, we're, we're due a darker turn. I think we've been quite, we've been quite jovial so far with our choices. I yeah. think we need to go, I think we need to go serious. We need to get, we need to get into okay. the, the darkness of, of life and human relationships. Oh, and what it, what it means to be a, a father or maybe a daddy, depending upon the, your relationship. Next one, next one. Oh, I know what I'm implying because <laughs> next time we're going to talk about the the movie adaptation of uh, Lolita from uh, from 1997. Maybe oh, we'll we can, we can we can get it. Maybe well, we can get into into the books a little bit as well. Um, I'm a big fan of the the book of Lolita. Um, I really like the original film from the early 1960s. I haven't watched the the more recent one, but you are a fan of the more recent one, so I will make that some uh, some watching for the next week. I think. Okay, yeah, we get to, we get to to gush over Jeremy Irons a bit more, like we did in episode one. <sighs> yeah, is, is Jeremy Irons the 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 icon of this podcast? I think he might be. He's our he's our favorite currently. Yeah, we're gonna have to come back to Alfred. We've done Thomas Wayne. We're gonna have to come back to Alfred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for one of them, just so we could talk about Jeremy Irons. I think. Sounds great. Great. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to to uh, Daddy Issues. Give us a comment. Give us a subscribe. Oh, Dave, where can people find you if they, they want to talk to you for all five of our listeners? Do they really want to do that? Well, if you feel so inclined, uh, I'm on Twitter at LDaveMachine. That's E-L-D-A-V-E Machine. Uh, I'm also on the, the Instagram uh, uh, at Brian. 
<laughs> but um, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't get your hopes up. I don't I don't post an awful lot. But you could you could you could scroll back and find occasional zingers or or, or nice or nice selfies. <laughs> the two or so I've taken in my entire life. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Why not? Why not, folks? Go have a, go check me out. See what happens. I agree. Check him out. I am not on any social media because I suffer from anxiety and depression and it wasn't helping. So I got rid of them all, especially at this Christmas time where other people's happy Christmases make me feel worse. So no social media for me. But please uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a comment down there um, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Very Merry Christmas. Ding dong merrily on high. Something, something, something. Quickly before we go, I have one more question. Why is this film called Jingle All The Way? Like, what does that even mean? Jingle All The Way? What has Jingle All The Way got to do with the the plot of the film? Well, Jingle, again, Jingle All The Way to what? Yeah. If it's not to the chopper, what is it to? If it's not to the chopper, then what's the point? Um, but like did they just grab they, they just cycled through some Christmassy phrases or lyrics from Christmas songs and thought has anyone else done a film with this title yet and just went through them checked them all off and was like how about Jingle All The Way and was like I can't think of a film for Jingle All The Way and like boom done right let's, let's get going and did, did that happen at the beginning was that at the head of the script or did that happen right at the end when they were like shit we need the title for this film the working title has been Arnie Goes To Christmas we should probably change that <laughs> Anyway, that's all I wanted to say at the end. Oh, that, that's a, a perfect little addition. <laughs> I like that. Uh, well, I feel better for getting off my chest. <laughs>